Welcome to another edition of the Wine Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Rusty Pepper, and across from me is John Bailey. John, how are you doing? Very good. How are you doing this afternoon? Doing fantastic. Uh, excited for the show today. Uh, but before we introduce our guest, I was hoping to ask you a CMO-related question. And that question is, um, have you ever worked on any employee branding initiatives? Yeah, I mean... For the most part, I guess I was fortunate enough to, to go into companies that kind of had a, a culture already established, and that's kind of what attracted me to those organizations. But then as a leader, once you started recruiting and you know, you know, preaching the gospel, so to speak, it was actually a very good selling tool and recruitment tool. And you ended up having team members that really fit this, you know, a good kind of mold, if you will, for the organization. I mean, you know, to tell one of my old companies, Red Bull was frankly magical. I mean, it was just between everything we did, you know, in, in, in terms of employer branding, there was a certain feel and execution and lifestyle. And I don't mean just the lifestyle of the brand itself, but a, but a corporate lifestyle that, you know, we focused on frankly every day. I got to admit, I'm a little bit jealous because uh, I've never actually worked in an environment where the employees are just fanatical about the agency. Uh, great agencies, uh, very creative, do great client work, but we just never had the, the, the focus wasn't on in employee branding and, and building that culture uh, that you see at a, a Red Bull or an Indeed. And in fact, uh, the reason why I bring up Indeed is every touch point that I see out there, the way they communicate the way that they present themselves, the way their employees evangelize the business, it caught my attention. So I'm excited to actually have on uh, our show today, Brian Cheney from Indeed. So now why don't we welcome him to the show? Brian, welcome to the Why Marketing Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I'm glad you could join us. This could be fun. I'd love to start off the show by letting you tell everyone a little bit about your background and how you ended up getting to Indeed. Well, I came to recruiting from a marketing background. Uh, I, I cut my teeth on web graphic and marketing, uh, thinking about uh, everything from a marketing lens. And I started in recruiting way back in 2004. Coincidentally, the same year Indeed was founded, unrelated. <laughs> so, so, so I came to recruiting thinking like a marketer and have had lots of different roles within agency, within the corporate world, thinking about how companies can tell their story or rather how companies can amplify their employees' stories better to, to share what it's like to live, breathe, and work inside their walls. What was it about talent acquisition and employee branding that motivated you to pursue that as a core part of your career? I actually co-founded a community of people who do what I do. It's called the Talent Brand Alliance. And the one, one of the things that we say all the time within that community is that there are no experts. Because with a, when it comes to culture, when it comes to um, a playbook, so if, you, if, you're, if you're selling a widget or a hamburger or a can of Red Bull, uh, there, there are certain things that you learn that are repeatable, right? For, for a, large, a large part of that, it's, it's, it's something that you can take from organization to organization. And when you're understanding, researching, digging into the culture, figuring out what people's motivators are, all that changes from company to company. So you can have a playbook, but you pretty much have to look at it, understand what it is, and then toss it out the window because you, you have to change up most of what you do because I have failed spectacularly by assuming that I could do the same thing at one company that I did at my last company. 
And so I think that's one of the coolest things about it is that there really aren't any experts. There's no one right way to do what we do to tell the right story because every culture is different. Your, your 80 person com uh, company is going to have a completely different culture than a 180 person company that's them a year and a half later. So understanding that piece helps you understand how to think differently around much lar larger organizations. And I just love, I love people. I love studying people and figuring out what makes them tick, what they care about. You can certainly tell in your voice that you are passionate about working with people. And that's probably why you're so successful at what you do. Can we now unpack a little bit about Indeed and what all they do? Sure. So Indeed is the, the world's number one job site. Um, and and there's, there's a reason for that. It's, it's a model that works for a lot of people who are trying to have, um, trying to get access to the job that's right for them where they are. So it's not just, okay, we have jobs, great, but there's so many other things. I remember back when I started at Indeed four years ago that I didn't even know. I've been in recruiting and I didn't even know everything that Indeed was doing to not just help uh, the employers find and hire the right people, but also the job seekers, all the tools, everything that goes into it, really making sure that the experience is a great experience for the job seeker. Um, I was blown away. I, I started out in San Francisco and I walked up to one of the first product managers that I met and I said, do me a favor, tell me what y'all have been doing for the past eight years. And he goes, do you have an hour? <laughs> he just set me down and, and really schooled me on everything. And I've continued to learn and understand that We've gone way beyond job search. There's so many different things that we do, so many different things that impact the world of the job seeker and the world of hiring that really need to be engineered, um, that, are, that really have to be that bridge between the employer and the job seeker. And, and that's one of the things I love about Indeed because I left another company for Indeed, but it's because I knew that I was passionate about helping people get jobs and everything ties back to that mission. Um, and so no matter what we do, everything ties back to the fact that the job seeker comes first. So besides helping people get jobs, what all does your role entail? Yeah, so we all, we all help people get jobs, right? So as a, as a company, we're over 10,000 employees strong, which really blows some people's minds, and that's okay. But when you think about that, we help the world find jobs at other companies. And for us, when I, back when I started, getting our jobs uh, and I probably shouldn't say this, but getting our jobs linked to on our homepage was a battle. Because when you think about it, our goal is to help our clients find jobs and help job seekers connect to other companies. And so for us, I had to, I had to really battle to get even a link to our jobs on our homepage. It's way at the bottom, but it's down there. And so thinking about that, how does the company that helps companies hire and job seekers find their job, how do they hire? How do we spread the word that not only are we not eight people in garage, uh, you know, powering a website, but we're 10,000 people strong. We're in over, we've got over 32 different offices in, I believe, 16 or 17 different countries, and we're hiring and we're growing and, and it's challenging that, that methodology. So if I were to say to you, you know, do me a favor and search the word indeed and jobs and you like our jobs will be the last ones to come up and that's okay that's by design but what that means is we need to work on how we're seen as an employer what kind of opportunities we offer what kind of career paths how are people treated what's the culture 
all of those things that make up um, what's commonly referred to as an employer brand or a talent brand. And that's what my, my job is, not just thinking about strategically our reputation and how we're considered, but also how to help drive some of that traffic. As you probably might guess, Indeed is a huge uh, source of our traffic, but we use all different kinds of things from creating custom content to pushing things out through social channels, really being able to, to shoot videos, tell stories in any medium that, that we can get our hands on about how people are experiencing working inside Indeed. I have a question then, and as we're all kind of seasoned veterans, if you will, and have gone through a variety of phases of our working careers, business has evolved from like when my father would go into the office in a suit and tie every day and, you know, punch the clock at eight o'clock and then stay till five and go, go home, you know, to have the family dinner. And obviously things have evolved. And as Younger people coming to the workforce, the assumptions are a little more flexible hours, bring your pets to work. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of benefits and, and changes in the workforce. So I, I guess in a cultural standpoint, does indeed kind of, you know, walk the talk, so to speak, of, of how the world of business and companies have evolved? Culture, you have a specific definition in mind, right? And so... Right. Whether, whether it's, okay, we've got ping pong tables, or you can bring your dog to work, or you can do all these different things. Yes, we compete as a tech company um, because we are a tech company and we're focused on helping people get jobs. But that's not what I would call culture. That's what I would call a perk. Um, when you think about the, we have food and snacks and drinks and all the things in our office that make it a great place to be able to work. And also, frankly, one where people don't have to leave the office to go grab lunch, which is nice. But that's just one little piece of how we're treated inside Indeed. When I think of culture, I think of how is someone treated, empowered for success, and encouraged and developed before, while they're at a company, and after they leave. And so to me, that's culture. That's, that's how the ethos of how a company succeeds and treats its people. So for me, that's what I mean when I say culture and what, you know, for you, culture might be something completely different. And I'm curious to know, uh, John, what does it mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I absolutely hear where you're going. I, I, I kind of link them all together. I, I've always had this general attitude of, I was trying to train my direct reports to take my job. You know, that, that if I'm doing my job, I should be, if they're purporting to me and there is, you know, the pyramid and the chain of command, so to speak, that for them to get promoted or maybe move into another department, but that level up that that's at the same level. So that, that was always important to me. Absolutely. All those ancillary things that I talked about. Uh, but on the same note, I, I agree with you hundred percent. If somebody didn't have the opportunity internally because one either wasn't available or maybe the organization was too small that, you know, they just wasn't there. I would hope that that person had the best experience possible that they leave. And then I don't know, two, three, five, ten 10 years later, they come back and say, listen, I know that this position is available. I'd like to interview for it. And I'd say, absolutely. You know what? You're, you're welcome aboard. You don't even have to interview. Let's go. Okay, so personal development is high on your culture priority ladder, for, for lack of a better term. And so in that case, there's so many things around personal development, uh, around um, training as managers. Um, we actually have 
1500 US dollars a year, uh, it's a budget that might, well, might go up. So, you know, maybe we'll just say there's a budget for personal development that uh, each employee can use, each full-time employee can say, I want to go learn that. I want to go to that conference or I want to take this online course. And that's completely separate from tuition reimbursement. So that's baked into our culture as a, as a continually learning, continually evolving culture. When you think about tech, when you think about engineering, minimum viable product, always moving forward and learning while you're doing. So the, the cliche is, uh, is fail often, right? Well, it's fail forward, meaning fail fast, and then learn from it, meaning don't continue to fail at the same thing twice. <laughs> and so, and so that's, that's a big part of it, but continual iteration and improvement. And so I think that that along with certain things like open PTO. So um, a lot of people are used to two weeks a year. That's my vacation. I get to take that. That's my time. And then that's what they get. They put it on a shelf. And so to compete in the tech world, we actually have open PTO or paid time off, which means as long as you're getting your job done, you can take as much time as you need. As our head HR leader says, um, you know, he wants to treat people like adults because typically when you do that, they behave like adults. That's a perfect point because I call that more of a flex schedule time where get your stuff done and you got no problem. Uh, I, I love that. And, you know, one thing I've been really impressed with and one reason why I reached out was your employees have done a really, really good job evangelizing Indeed. You know, they're excited. They're fired up. Y'all, y'all swag them all up. Y'all are promoting them. You're giving them the opportunity in a platform to really share their story. Why do you think your company is really good at that? Whereas a lot of other companies aren't. Well, I'm going to use a cooking analogy here or a baking analogy rather. Um, you you can have all the, you can talk about all the, the nice things, the superficial things that are the indicators of a really great culture or a really great work environment. And you need an actual cake below that. You need the foundation to support all the sweet stuff, right? The, the icing, you, you've got to have that to support it. Meaning you have to have a good culture. You have to have a good experience. People have to feel like they're supported to be successful. They have to feel like they're treated well. And they have to feel like there's a path, there's a, there's a, a path that they're on with you, right? And so all of those things have to exist. And companies before, before social media, companies that treated people well um, developed those word of mouth reputations, right? Now it's all over the place. Um, indeed, lots of other review sites, you can find out all the little dirty secrets uh, or most of the dirty secrets that exist within a company. And so for us, we treat people well. Do some people have a different experience in Singapore than they have in Seattle? Sure, maybe. A lot of that has to do with their team, their manager, um, what they're focused on, all those different things. But the whole goal behind it is to develop people, to treat them well and help them be successful. And so they're happy about it. They tend to be really happy about it and they wanna share information. We also reward people for referring other people who get hired, right? So there's a little bit of an element of a motivator there, uh, but you also want to work with good people. You want to work with smart people, people that, that you enjoy spending time with. And beyond that, back when I started, there was no formal culture hashtag or way for people to share 
stories about their experience about their life inside indeed and so we created it and it's hashtag inside indeed that is not what makes indeed a great company this is just the the icing that shows that people are happy about their experience and they're sharing stuff on social right so yeah we give them swag we give them we, we motivate folks um, but really there are actual ambassadors there's over 600 people globally who have raised their hand and they want to volunteer to say I believe in Indeed. I want to support the company. I want to help further the initiatives. I want to help make it, uh, continue to make it a, a good experience for, for my coworkers. And so that in and of itself, when you, when you treat people well, people step up. I agree wholeheartedly. And, and I think that, again, I was probably focusing on one part of culture, but everything you're touching on is, real, is really a part of it. And uh, I, I guess i I've always tried to instill this into my children as well as they're in the working world now is, is if you find something you truly love, it's not a job anymore. It's just part of your routine, if you will, or what if, if you go to work every single day, it's doesn't, you just happen to get paid for what you love to do. So. Ryan, you, you touched base about something that I thought was kind of interesting. They were kind of used as a reference point where somebody may have a good or bad experience at a different, in a different office or region or part of the world. You know, you've got 10,000 employees, you're in over 60 countries, I don't know how, maybe it's more, but how do you ensure that it feels like indeed, yet in a different part of the world, it's a completely different experience, right? So how do you ensure that that uniformity, I don't want to say it's uniformity, but how do you keep that consistency and that freshness and that excitement going from region to region, country to country? It's got to be a tough job. It, it is a tough job and thankfully it's not my job. I get to talk about it, right? So I get to, I, my team gets to help evangelize that experience. And I'll tell you, it is not the same in every single office in every single country. We are very, very close to that. We strive to get people in a workplace, uh, in an office space that actually feels like Indeed. We treat people well. We, we, we provide drinks and snacks. We have activities. We have similar structures or constructs around how we manage our time, around how we want people to socialize with each other. Those types of things are really what make Indeed what it is. And there are large offices. There's, a, there's uh, an office with uh, almost 2,000 people. And then there's another office with 20 or 50 people. And so, yes, it's going to feel different. But the thing that I wanted to I wanted to key on is there's all these little microcultures, and so that's going to really impact the experience that somebody has. We do everything that we can do to make sure that everybody has the resources, has the space, has the benefits, has all the things that we need to to really not worry about things as much. Because at that point, you can focus on solving the problems that indeed has to solve, which is helping people get jobs. So in that sense, there's all kinds of little idiosyncrasies that make up uh, the experience in a sales office in Sydney, Australia, very different than a sales office in Dublin, Ireland. And so understanding that they're going to feel a little bit different, but they're all going to be linked by our mission. And I mean, everything comes from our mission. Um, so one of the things, one of the cool things that we get to, to show off or talk about is this orange chair. And you're like, okay, Brian, this is, a, this is a podcast. Please don't start telling me about something visual. But it is an orange chair, and there are orange chairs in each of our conference rooms. 
And that's not, that's one orange chair. So that's actually symbolizes the job seeker. So when you think about that, everybody has to say, okay, we're, we're at a point where we have to figure out what we're doing. Okay, so what does this mean for the job seeker? Well, this is really the right thing to do for the job seeker. And you have, you have your answer. And so our CEO was actually the one who made the decision to have orange chairs in each office worldwide. Now they might look a little bit different, but they're all orange chairs and that symbolizes something. Now there's a couple of schools of thought. I will admit the first time I, I stepped into a room with an orange chair, but it's like, don't sit in the chair. That's the job <laughs> chair. And I was like, um, okay, so I get that. But also shouldn't we from time to time sit in the job seekers chair? It's like wear their shoes kind of thing. So it's however you want to interpret that is there um, as a constant reminder that we all have the same mission. You know, on, on that same note, I have, I have a question about onboarding and training then, because I'll go back to the Red Bull scenario without question was the best training experience I've ever had. And every employee that I hired, we sent them out to Santa Monica and they went through what we call brand training and everybody came back invigorated. I get it. Well, they really didn't fully get it because they're not immersed yet, but they would start to adapt and evolve. Do you guys have an onboarding training program then for every one of every 10,000 people that have come in the door? We do. And it's a constantly evolving process. Back when I started, I started and we were around 2,000 people and we're now just past 10,000. So now the onboarding experience is very, very different. We have technologies in place. We have information. We even have new benefits that didn't exist back when I started four years ago. So that's a very different experience and there's more information, more content. And we try to bake that back in, not only to show history, so there's content that helps us tell the story of how we got where we are, and then that tells us the ethos of which direction we're, we're moving forward and how each of the different teams helps us get there. And by teams, I mean departments, business units, whatever you wanna call it, everybody plays a different part in supporting that mission. So yes, there is onboarding. Um, we actually send out, we do a couple of things before someone starts. We have a, a website that actually talks about our culture, talks about the different groups. We have uh, a lot of companies call them employee resource groups. We call ours inclusion resource groups. And so that we have lots of different inclusion resource groups. We talk about that, our culture, our benefits, all those different things. We send that out when somebody signs an offer letter. And then we do something that's kind of a surprise. Uh, we actually send out a welcome box. So that's a box that actually goes out to people, shipped to them uh, if they're in a lot of markets. Some markets, they get it on day one, depending upon notice periods and all that stuff. But most of the time, they get it at home. And when they get it, there's a message in there about our brand, who we are, and tells a bit about our story and our goals. And then one of our love language, I swear, uh, is, is swag. So we do give really good swag. So it's branded swag. It's things that are in there. Uh, and oh, by the way, there is an orange chair in there, a little orange chair that is a, uh, a, a phone holder for everyone. Everything ties back into that story. That's awesome. Everybody loves getting a box of stuff, especially when you talk about getting them fired up and all that. But one thing I wanted to talk about is y'all do a great job with what you do with employee branding. But if a company is out there that hasn't really done a great job with that segment of their business, and they're looking to really get more serious about it, what would be the three things that you would recommend, the first three things they need to do in order to really get a program deployed? So when we think about that, the first thing I'll say is that uh, a company might say, oh, we don't have an employer brand because we, we, we don't have a team dedicated to that. 
Well, my perspective is that you've got an employer brand as a company, whether or not you choose to admit it uh, or hire someone to focus on it, it's already there. You're just choosing to understand it, to listen to it, and then to focus on improving it. So that's not just marketing spin. It's also about functionally giving that information back to business leaders, to, to HR, to sales, to, to client success, to all the people who help shape that actual experience. So when you think about review sites and all those things, we're listening. So the first thing that someone should do is start listening um, because a lot of companies, they'll either assume that the little bits of information that they see or come across are all negative. And so they start shutting down and they don't want to listen to it because they feel like, okay, either that's the, the vocal minority and that's not the everyday experience where they feel powerless because they feel like there's nothing that I can do to change that. Well, you can listen and you can respond. And it's just like from a customer perspective, if someone tells you that they had a bad experience, you want to hear that, right? You want to hear because they're telling you specifically what you can do to encourage them to give you more money. So if when you think about a consumer perspective, they're saying, if you fix this problem, I'll give you more money. Well, for us, it's if you fix this problem, we will work harder for you. We will stay longer. We will do the things that help the company succeed. If you, if you make this a great experience, we will give you our time. We'll pay you with our energy and our love and our hours every day. So that's the, the transaction that happens there. So listening, number one, you might not be able to respond, but the second thing is respond. Bring that message in, figure out what you can do with it, and then respond. Let people know that you're listening. It doesn't have to be on Twitter. It could be on uh, responding to your uh, review on Indeed or any other multitude of sites. There's so many nowadays. And so responding to that. And then I think the other thing is taking that information back to the business, as I said, but really taking that back to your, your recruiters, the people who are trying to attract talent too, because they need to know how to respond, how to speak to those things and, and capture some of those stories so that they can share them externally. So if you're not known, if you're a B2B company and you don't have a product brand, you know, people don't see you advertising during the upcoming World Series, um, then, then they're not going to necessarily know what you have to offer or what your goal is or what your product is. So how do we tell that story? Well, your experience is the product. So if you can take some of those stories, even if you're taking them and you're just writing them down, meaning capturing them, if you're shooting them on video, if you're, um, if you're taking pictures, all those things are ways of capturing that story. So if you not only are, are telling that to your recruiters or people within uh, HR who are tasked with attracting people, uh, hires to your company, then you're also giving those tools to people who want to refer other, their friends, their colleagues to come work at the company. You want to help them tell that story. So those are the three things that I would highly, there's, the list is way longer, but those are the first three. I figured it'd be pretty long, but it is a great list. So thank you for kind of walking through that. Cause I sit there, I know there's a lot of companies out there that struggle in this area. They may do a great job evangelizing their product, but are they really evangelizing their culture, who they are, what they represent for those folks that are looking to come and possibly work for them. John, anything you want to add into that? 
I appreciate the fact of where you kind of started out your career uh, in, in terms of being a marketer, because I can definitely see how it's translated into your, your current role. The, the first 30 minutes that we've met each other, I, I can see how it kind of all intertwines. And I think, you know, whether you want to call yourself a marketer or not any, you know, anymore at this point, I really think you are because of what you do with both obviously the internal people that are currently working there and then the external people that are about to come to work there because you're absolutely promoting what uh what indeed is all about and so i think i think your background is i i completely understand why you've kind of maybe gone into the path that you've gone into that's fantastic well you you are a marketer you're an experienced yeah. marketer yeah right um right. so it's understanding that you're just telling that story. And my job is to help indeed tell that story better and in different ways. So my team doesn't create anything. My team, I know that sounds bad. But my team, I was going to disagree with you a little bit. Maybe, maybe you do, but yeah. yeah so I, my, my team does create stuff, but my team doesn't create the things that drive the stories. My team doesn't create the stories. The stories are there. My team helps tell the stories. And so we realize, okay, if you think about engineering, these are, the, these are the top five things that an engineer cares about in their career. Okay, great. Let's make sure we have stories around each of those. Okay, well, we have stories around three of these. Okay, so let's take in from all the content and the stories and everything that we have around those three qualifications, those three features that engineers care about, and let's elevate them. Let's amplify them. Let's tell a really good story in slightly unexpected ways. Let's get it out there through um, slightly unexpected channels. And let's make sure that people who care about those things know that that's part of the experience of working at Indeed. And by the way, if we know that those last two things that we might not have stories around are things that we're working on developing, we share that information back. So the listening is one of the key parts to understand what your audience, right? Because in marketing, everything starts with the audience, what your audience cares about. Agreed. And everything that comes out is very seamless. And you know, just done really, like I said, you know, I really do do a great job. I wish I could claim anything more than a tiny fraction of that. There's great teams of people who are all involved in getting that where, where it is and where it's going. And I think that's, that's one of the things that, that from a marketing lens, you're, you're always evolving, always changing um, the, the focus and how you tell that story. So great relationship. I, I couldn't be happier. I've been in organizations where I didn't have that relationship with marketing, where it was combative. I've been in smaller organizations where um, they didn't have anything around their employer brand. And in fact, they didn't have much around their, uh, around their corporate brand. And so when I started creating content around the employer brand and around the experience, it sometimes gained traction to where the marketing person was like, wait, what, that should be mine. Why are you, why are you doing that? And so I've had it go really poorly. And then I've also had the uh, person on the marketing team say, um, I'm going to co-op that because I really like it. So now we're going to take it and go off in this direction, which is like the best possible scenario. Right. Um, but, they, but, but you have to have that collaboration. It can't be you sitting in your silo, creating something amazing and then presenting it as part of this greater picture without that communication. I think a lot of times companies, it happens in companies, and that's why there's not that cohesiveness and they don't, they don't have as much success because it's done in these little buckets independently of one another and there's, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. 
back, back when I started, everybody asked me, so what's your EVP or your employer value proposition? What's, what's, your, what's your promise? Because that's like the big thing. It's like, oh, let's go off for six months and figure out what our, what our value prop is. And, and, and so for me, I, I, like, I refer to it as a promise, right? Because it's a promise you're making to your employees. But everybody had asked me, I think, it was, I think it was like two months after I started, what's your EVP? What are you doing? What's your EVP? Where, where's your research? Where are you doing it? I'm like, um, so you, know, you remember that big mission that's on all the t-shirts and everything? Like that's, 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 our, that's our promise. Our promise is that everybody who works at Indeed gets to help push that mission forward, help people get jobs, help people find that self-worth, put food on the table, roofs overheads and do whatever it takes to, to solve that problem that the person's trying to solve. That's our promise to employees. And that, that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people and in different regions and in different groups, but that's, that's our promise. And then from there, we figure out how that promise is communicated, which, which, I, love, uh, which I love doing. And it's pretty powerful when you have 10,000 plus people all pushing the ball the same way. It's giant wind. More, more or less the same direction, yeah. yes. <laughs> and you get more than less, it's going to feel like it's all going one. So. Absolutely. John, any other questions you have before we jump in to the speed round? No, other than I, I had coffee with uh, somebody that reported to used to report to me this morning, and uh, I can't wait till this is done because I want to have him hear everything you said today. That was, I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm interested in the lightning round. Yeah, here we go. Why don't we jump right into that then? So quick four questions. Uh, John, I'm also going to ask you maybe a few of them because there's a couple I'm curious to how you're going to answer. But Brian, are you texting or talking? Texting. John? I prefer talking, but I text way too much. <laughs> I, my problem is I text while I talk, so then I'm completely <laughs> lost on both fronts. So uh, your last Halloween costume. Last Halloween costume for me? Well, it depends on who you ask. If you ask the kids, uh, I looked like Luke Skywalker. If you ask the adults, I looked like Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> I had the full get-up lightsaber and everything. That's awesome. What about you, John? Lightning may strike me down. I was a priest. <laughs> I'm going to stand next to you. <laughs> what is the strangest thing you've ever eaten? Jump in first, so forgive me, John. Uh, the strangest thing I've ever eaten, maybe not strange in that other people don't eat it, uh, but is uni. Uh, so uni is sea urchin and went to Japan because we have a Tokyo office. Uh, this was a couple years ago. And so we're in this room with about 10 coworkers and they've ordered this uni. And with each plate, there's two, two little servings of uni. And so uh, somebody on my team grabbed a piece of it and he started eating it. And I was kind of watched him to see how he would react. And he was like, I probably wouldn't eat that again. And they were like, and you? And so I, you got to do it. You're in Tokyo. And I'm just like, you know, I, when am I going to have fresh uni? When, is, when am I going to be able to have this experience? So grab my chopsticks and, and ate it. And I'll just say it was a slight challenge to keep it going south. Uh, and beyond that, uh, it's it's an acquired taste and it's great, um, but yeah, that was that was the probably one of the strangest things I've ever put in my mouth. Ironically, I had the same thing. However, you were in exotic land and I was in Chicago, <laughs> so. Uh, but I when I when I had the question, I I, I couldn't remember that oh, it was wow. called called uni, but I was like, yep, I had sea urchin as well. 
Yeah, I think I think Uni in Chicago wouldn't have tempted me quite as much, but yes, uh, it, was, I, it was more well, of a it was more of a dare at the table. So. <laughs> well, see now you know. Now I will stay away from Sea Urchin or Uni. Either one of any of them come up, I'm out. I'm just going to take your word <laughs> for it. All right, last question for you, Brian. After all you've done through in your career, if there was one piece of advice that you wish you could you would have been given when you were first starting out, what would that be? get louder faster um so what i mean by that is when you figure out something's not working when you figure out something is wrong um don't have quite as much patience i'm a patient person i really am uh, sometimes too patient which means i'm not uh, either getting louder or voting with my feet getting up and moving away so by that um in my career I stayed at my first job in recruiting for seven years, which was about four and a half to five years too long. Uh, and, and that's okay. I learned a lot in that process. But my advice to myself back then would have been, once you know that your path is a different path, get up, go find it, um, get louder, faster. That's great advice. It's so true. You know when you know. And you can fake it all you want, but at the end of the day, you know. It's just not right. Move on. We've always said higher, higher, slow, fire fast. Kind of the same thing when I guess comes to careers. You know, take your time, get it in, but when you know it's not right, get out. Yep, and that works both ways on the hiring and the firing side, or excuse me, on the on the worker, on the employee and the employer side. So it has to be that right exchange of, of value for both parties. 100% agree with you. Well, this is great. Really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to kind of share your insight, a little bit about your career journey, indeed, and then all the great things you are doing. It's been a lot of fun. So I appreciate it. John, anything else you want to add? Thank you, Brian. A fantastic meeting you. Likewise. My pleasure. Always a, a pleasure to, to talk to a uh, fellow Longhorn in Austin and, um, and great hearing from both of you. I love the, the conversation. Man, I, I love what I do, if it's not obvious. You can definitely tell. Now, if people want to get a hold of you, uh, find out more, how can, they, how can they do that? They can search me across most social channels, just Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, Chaney, C-H-A-N-E-Y. Been really cognizant about how I put myself out there as a marketer so that I'm searchable. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, you name it. I am definitely searchable and I follow back. Thanks for tuning into the Why Marketing Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Until the next time.